Good afternoon, good morning. This is Mark Johnson from Loyalty360. Hope everyone's happy, safe, and well. Want to welcome you to another edition of Loyalty Live. In this series, we get the privilege of speaking with leading agencies, technology partners, and consultants in customer channel and brand loyalty about the technology trends and best practices that impact a brand's ability to derive unique experiences, enhance engagement, uh, but most importantly, impact customer loyalty in a positive way. Uh, loyalty Live allows for a deeper assessment of the state of customer loyalty because we get to speak with these amazing consultants and technology providers about how they may be addressing some of the challenges that we are seeing from our brand members. So today, we have Pam Ehrlichman, who's the Chief Evangelist Officer. That's a lot. I got through that. Uh, at Jebit. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, it's always great to uh, connect with you. But yes, likewise. Those- those who don't know about Jevit, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Jevit, what you guys do, how you do it? Uh, that'd be great. Yeah. So Jevit's a SaaS platform that lets brands go in and create all different kinds of uh, interactive consumer engagements. So think about things like um, product match quizzes and personality quizzes and trivia and interactive lookbooks. Uh, we are a platform that makes it really easy to build these on on brand engagements that uh, when done well are capturing really important zero party data attributes of your consumers. Excellent. Um, And for yourself, uh, for those who may not know you, we usually like to start these uh, with a more personal uh, kind of look at the person we're speaking with, get to know you on a more uh, deeper level. So could you give us a little bit of detail about your background, uh, kind of how you got into the industry and and what your current role with Jebit is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I started my career on the agency side. I was actually at Digitas Boston for over a decade, um, working on all different kinds of brands like Delta Airlines and Celebrity Cruises, Progressive Insurance, uh, FedEx, you name it. Um, And so my my loyalty is near and dear to my heart because for most of those relationships at Digitas, I was actually on the CRM and loyalty side of the house. Um, From there, I joined a company called Data Logics which uh, got acquired by Oracle uh, about five years into to my tenure there. Um, and we were really much focused on purchase-based data, first-party data onboarding, things that it's so funny now, like back in the day when I first learned about data logics, nobody knew what first-party data onboarding was. Nobody knew what purchase-based data was. And now, of course, like not only have we has the industry, you know, gotten caught up, but we've we've moved beyond it uh, quickly as well. So, um, so yeah, that I I was there for uh, through the Oracle acquisition, and then about five years ago, I joined Jebit um, because I saw the writing on the wall as it related to data privacy and regulation changes platforms were making, and thought that helping brands build their own first party data was where this was all going to head. And I wish I was a betting woman because <laughs> I would have put money down on that back then. That's great. <laughs> clear, clearly that's where we're at now. Excellent. So you talked a little bit about zero party data as we moved from you know, to, uh, you know, transactional data to third party data uh, to now zero party data. There's a great deal of interest around zero party data, what it is, how brands can use it, how they can integrate it into the technology stack and communication stream. Can you, you talk a little bit about that at a high level, what zero party data is for those who may not be familiar and you know, what they should be doing with it? Yeah, 
Absolutely. It's my favorite topic. So zero party data is a form of first party data where consumers are giving you that data willingly and explicitly. So of course, you know, most brands have their behavioral and transactional data. That's super important. But at the end of the day, it's it's inferred. You're inferring that I clicked on something that I want it. You're inferring that I purchased something. It was for me, you know, things like that. Where zero party data fits is the consumer is hand raising and telling you explicitly, this is what I want. Um, so not only does it build tri uh, trust because the brand, the consumer understands they're giving the brand this information. It's not about kind of the observations being made all over the place that can sometimes creep consumers out. Um, so it builds trust, it builds transparency. And then more importantly, it can get to the kind of data that does go way beyond the behavioral and transactional. It can get to their future needs states. It can get to the emotional data, the things that, again, you can't get except for asking a consumer directly. Okay. Zero party data, as you mentioned, very important. Uh, you know, when you look at brands who are doing it well, is there something that you see in how they are looking at zero party data, either organizational wise or part of their customer loyalty, customer experience approaches that that works and works well? Yes. Um, ASICs for one is a great example of doing it well. Um, when you sign up for the ASICs one loyalty program, you instead of you know your typical lead form and and just being on your way and now receiving all the different all the communications they are they are they've created an experience called what type of runner are you and think about this as their welcome onboarding program in that experience they are not only getting a person's running habits like how often do you run how long do you run but again that emotional data what goes through your head when you're running what's your emotional relationship to running like why the why behind the you know the why behind it all um and then they go on to ask a couple other things that are important like do you run marathons do you what technology you know are you listening to podcasts music things like that and then, of course, like the questions that that you typically expect to ask about what you're looking for in a running shoe and what do you want to hear from us about. Um, but again, those early on questions are things that um, really set ASICs up for success at the beginning and getting this full 360 view of the consumer right right when they start the relationship with them. Okay. Excellent. So you look at uh, what's you know working. You talked about some things that ASICs is doing. When you look at customer loyalty, you know how do you define customer lo loyalty? What does customer loyalty mean to you and to your customers? Yeah, to me, I mean, brands define customer loyalty in in different ways. So I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mess with the brand's own definition. The way I like to think about it is you have to have. The, to, the way to win is to build more trust and understand and know your customer better than the better than your competition. And I think that notion of not only do you have a product that I want and you're fitting my needs, but you understand me better um, is is really what helps win that game. And it was interesting. Uh, a Twilio, a partner of ours, just came out with some new stats yesterday that said 46% uh, of brands are saying they're doing an excellent job at personalization, but only 15% of consumers agree. And so that gap between what how brands are for, you know, going outside of loyalty for a second, just getting to personalization in general, which is obviously a key, a key part of loyalty, there is a big gap right now between brands thinking they're doing personalization well and consumers' <laughs> receptivity to that, yep. the understanding of it. And so to me, I think 
doing customer loyalty well is closing that gap, you know, in those expectations between the two. Right. Well, it's interesting. At least the, the gap is uh, kind of narrowed a little bit. I think Deloitte did that first study maybe 10 years ago. I think it was nine and 90 percent. Uh, <laughs> so we're know, getting better, but there's still yeah, a lot of work to do. You went from 10x to, you know, four or 5x, whatever that was in that. So excellent. So customer loyalty, very important. Uh, you guys uh, help enable that. So when you look at what's working for your clients when it comes to building successful loyalty programs and strategies, can you give us a couple examples? You talked a little bit about ASICs. Yeah. Is there another example or two that you think that of, of, of a brand of yours, a client of yours that's doing customer loyalty well? Yes. So ASICs is a great one as that example of how do you do a welcome onboarding really well? I'll add one more one more part to that story, which is the next touch you get from them. That first one's the personality quiz that gets to you know learn more about your needs and preferences. The second one is trivia to teach you about the benefits of the program. So everyone, you know, all of your listeners for the most part are are running loyalty programs. And you think about when someone first joins a loyalty program, you have to educate them on the benefits. But typically what that ends up being is a long email of here's all the ways you can earn and burn right? That gets glossed over or barely read. So the next touch in their series is actually using trivia to gamify teaching about the benefits. So, you know, first question being, is it true if I wear my ASIC sneakers, I can't return them? False. You have 90 days to return, you know, as an ASICS one member. And so a, a great second step in how do you teach, how do you educate, how do you get them to take advantage of the benefits is doing something like they're they're doing. Another great example for a you know different moment in the life cycle is just how do you engage you know how do you stay top of mind and continuously engage and express the clothing retailer is a great example of this. Every month um, they take one of you know one of our product match quiz templates and they call it a shop style quiz and so they're pushing to their their membership base showing them what's new or seasonally relevant through, uh, do you like this style or that style, you know, and showing what's in store um, that month. So it not only gets them back in app and back engaging, but it's shortening that time uh, in between purchases, increasing average order value, and it's driven millions in incremental revenue over the last couple of years. So okay. just another way to, again, find, find a more value-based way for consumers to engage in and learn and shop. Do all customers within a customer loyalty program uh, give zero party data equally or are there, obviously what you do is help customers or help clients and brands you know, engage in a certain way, but are there certain uh, kind of customers or segmentations that, that, that are more prone to give zero party data and some may be, may be more reticent to give? Um, I haven't come across any any, any industry or, or brand that it's been it's been resident res, resident to give. Um, I will say that one of the industries that are leading the charge in zero party data is beauty, um, far and away. When you think about how personal beauty is and needing to answer questions, you know, to find the right product for you, like what's your skin tone, what's your skin sensitivity, you know, how much makeup do you want? How much of a of a multi-step makeup regime do you want? Things like that. Um, we see almost our highest engagement across the board in that category because again, it is so personal and, and consumers really understand that they have to answer these questions to get matched to the right product for them. 
Okay. One of the things we saw in our state of customer loyalty research project we did last fall, uh, brand based, is that many brands are looking to you know completely redo, scrap, uh, or at least add incremental functionality or enhance their customer loyalty programs. Is that something that you're seeing, and 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 zero party data be something that brands could you know help to enhance the program? Yes, but I want to make a critical distinction. I think of what's what's trendy right now in loyalty versus what what I think it should be. Um, gamification is a huge topic, you know, um, yep. and I think there is a difference between gamification for gamification's sake and yep. strategic gamification. So spin the wheel and just get them to engage in something to me is just gamification. <laughs> like it's, it, yeah, it might get your brand to get an engagement for a second or two, but is it really driving value and help for your business versus the kinds of things that we've just been talking about, which can fit in very nicely in different moments of the life cycle and be a vet better version of what you're doing today. So it serves it captures data. It serves a key purpose in that lifestyle cycle to advance them to the next, you know, whether it's cross-sell, upsell, win back, what have you. Um, that kind of gamification is playing playing a very strategic role and purpose versus just kind of like the spin the wheels and the things you see out there today. Okay. Is, is there a trend, uh, a new technology or maybe an uh, kind of an idea that you think brands should be considering considering or cognizant of uh, with regard to you know their customer loyalty programs or processes i i think it's always good to look at your core communications again the, what are, what are those you know for a lot of loyalty programs it's an email or it's an app what are those key engagements like a welcome series you know welcome onboarding or welcome series or, or like a monthly newsletter or a type of communication or statement and say, how can I make this from a one-way communication to a two-way? How can I learn, progressively learn about my my uh, loyalty members over time? And, and, and most importantly, what do I need to know about them as they mature and in those key moments? Um, I, th I think about, you know, you'd, the old show Extreme Home Makeover. I think now now that's a good exercise to do is to say, all right, this is this is my email or this is my series. How do I give this an interactive makeover? Absolutely. Yeah. When you look at that, you, know, you talked about some things brands could do and should do. But what about challenges? You know, what one piece of advice would you give to brands who are looking to improve their customer loyalty strategy? Are, are there things that you see that most brands may be doing that uh, kind of is something they shouldn't be doing I mean, that uh, brand should be cognizant of as well. Yeah, I th I think a big thing is we're asking consumers for information, but we're not paying it back to them. As to how, like, I, I say to our our brands that we work with a lot, if you're going to ask the question, first answer, how are you going to use it to improve that consumer's experience? And so I think we have to get out of the our old habits of trying to ask anything and everything. Um, especially age, don't get me started on demos. <laughs> um, but like really just focus in on what are the two to three things that I can actually activate and affect their their journey or what I send them or how I personalize their experiences differently. 
it's it's a world you and I have talked about this before, Mark. It's the world of going from big data to small data in impactful right. and meaningful data. And I think I think activating it, playing it back to the consumer is what's going to build loyalty because then they do understand that that you're hearing them, you know, you're listening. Absolutely. I think I think you're 100 percent right. Don't uh, if you're going to ask for personalization, personalized data, zero party data, uh, there's that implicit bond uh, between the, the customer. And to your point, if uh, you don't leverage it, I'm sure that impacts the customer's perspective of you know being able to be personal and, and kind of a steward of the data. Yeah. And I think I think the other big piece um that that we focus on is what value you know upfront to even get them to engage what value are you giving the consumer in return so we talk a lot about forms of genuine value um that are creating that mutual value exchange as to why the consumer would give you the data in the first place and so the other thing i say to a lot of the brands we work with is what is the value to the consumer in this experience you're about to deliver you know and make sure that is front and center on that first screen Absolutely. And the last question, uh, somewhat self-serving, but what can Loyalty 360 do to help you know your clients, uh, the industry in general regarding their customer loyalty journeys? Yeah, I th- I think um, I, as you mentioned by asking me to give the definition of zero-party data, I think it's a hot topic, but I still think there isn't enough education in real-life examples and practicality as to you know I think I think a lot of brands need understand this needs to be a focus. Right. And they're trying to figure it out. So I think Loyalty 360 can can do a good job of really helping them educate and giving them the roadmap and giving them the workshops to how to figure out um, how to do this. I think, you know, the the myth around our industry is that for to do personalization, you have to have it all figured out at once. You have to map this all out and and orchestrate it and and it can't and it can't go live until all the pieces parts are figured out. Yeah. And I call complete and utter BS on that and yep. say the best way to start is just start with one moment, one change and and learn your way into it. And that's going to accelerate your 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 business and, and transform it a hell of a lot faster than trying to figure out all the pieces of the puzzle at once. Yeah, absolutely. I think that iterative enhancement uh, or just even you know, jumping, right? Go and uh, fail, fail fast potentially, but versus those who had that quote unquote boil the ocean approach where it becomes very difficult to not only integrate, but most importantly to measure, right? If you put in 14, 20 different things, a bunch of new technology and it fails, it's hard to kind of figure out where that fail point was. And and brands get, uh, you know, they hire a consultant, they get bought into complete transformation. And that's that's difficult. I think the brands that do well, like the ones you talked about, ASICs and others who put in kind of a series of, of iterated iterations, right, that really make the customer more engaged, more, uh, you know, uh, trusting, as you mentioned, with the brand and their their, their processes. So I think it's uh, it's great to hear that uh, that's your approach as well. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 the only way. Other we I've had too many conversations of them like, no, these all these fifteen pieces have to be in place first. And I'm like, you're you're two years out now. <laughs> yep, absolutely right. Well, Pam, it's always great talking with you, uh, getting your perspective and and, and you know, seeing what you're seeing in the industry. Uh, it's a great uh, kind of reflection of uh, you know kind of a, what you're seeing in the data world. And and it was great to hear that you were on the forefront of a kind of a nat- you know another data of a kind of cusp as well. So that was great to hear as well. Yeah, thank you. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, everyone, for taking the time to uh, join us today. Make sure you join us for another edition of Loyalty Live soon. Have a wonderful day.